You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 59. In this episode, I'm speaking to Sarah Greer on how to go from six to seven figures in your online business. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Sarah Greer, who is a dear friend, mastermind buddy, and now my go-to copywriter. C works with six and seven figure coaches as a copy conversion expert and shares with us her insights on how these coaches are able to grow their business beyond the six and even up to seven figures. You'll find links to Sarah Greer and show notes of this episode by going to sigrun.com forward slash 59. I am so excited to be here with Sarah Greer who is a dear friend, masterminder, and now my copywriter. <laughs> and thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. Oh, you're so welcome, Sigrun. I'm a big fan of yours, so I'm excited we get to play some more and talk today. <laughs> yes, you always say play. I like that. That's sweet. <laughs> so initially, I would not have thought I would be someone who invested in a copywriter, because I thought I was writing pretty good copy myself. But there comes a time where business scales and grows and it's just a huge, huge bottleneck. So is that what typically happens when people are kind of above the six figures or where do you see where that becomes a real you know, need for entrepreneurs? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I've had people who had their first six-figure launch. That's usually when they find me and they need some launch copy. But I've also had clients who are already making six figures in one month and they're already making you know, 1.2 million or more a year and they hadn't hired a copywriter yet. So you can get there you know, without hiring a copywriter. But there's a couple questions you have to ask yourself. One, how painful do you want it to be? <laughs> because <laughs> the content creation can be so overwhelming when it, you get to a certain point in your business. Like at first you might love doing it. And the other question you need to ask yourself or try is what I call the crash and burn test. So a lot of people, they're like, can I be a copywriter? Like, can I just do it myself? And again, the answer is yes. And you can get to these benchmarks in your business. But in the end, what you have to do is be willing to experiment and try it. So try being a copywriter for yourself. If your offer falls flat and you crash and burn, then it's time to get on the phone with a copywriter or on a video and find out what you're missing or take some kind of training. But you've got to give yourself that wiggle room and be kind of like patient with yourself and try it out. And then, like you said, Sigrun, you were able to naturally learn the art and science of copywriting. You were able to pick it up. Some people just never do and some people can do it and, and get to a certain level in their business. But at some point, you're going to want to let go of certain pieces of your business. And so you're just going to have to take like a 
360 degree view of all the things you're doing in your business and decide the things that don't light you up. And if copywriting isn't one of them, it's time to pass it to someone else. Well, I noticed that copywriting does light me up, but my struggle was it became a huge, huge bottleneck and suddenly emails wouldn't go out because I hadn't written them. Or I think when I really contacted you last time, that was not for the sales page, but regarding emails, I had been sick for two weeks. And when I was sick for two weeks, emails didn't get written or they were written and I was like, you know, in, lying in my bed with my laptop. And I realized, you know, if you're professional about your business, you have a multiple six or seven figure business, you cannot have not email going out. <laughs> yeah, you're leaving money on the table, right? And you don't want to do that. So it really is, you know, you're one person. And so it's good to have a backup in your business. And I think that's what you found is in the end, you still love the copywriting, but you're one person. And if you're out, then who's going to cover it for you? So it's good, even if you don't use them all the time, to have some kind of backup. But I also feel like when you get to your level in business, you've gotten to the multiple six figures, you really start to realize that your time is really valuable and it might be more valuable doing other things. And for you, I feel like it's you know showing up for your groups that people are already in and you know, serving them as much as you can, because that part of your business is still irreplaceable. Like, I haven't seen you bring in other coaches, and maybe that's something you'll do later. But you're still the one showing up for the people in your groups. So I feel like that's where your time is the most valuable. And so, you know, you need to fill in in other places and let other people help you. So thank goodness you did. Yes, <laughs> yes. And luckily, well, I wouldn't have known where to go. Luckily, we were already friends. So... <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. an easy choice, easy choice for me. But what what has been fascinating to me, we've had lots of discussions around it when we have masterminded in the past, is what is the difference between those people who have six figures versus seven figures? And it's it's copywriting is maybe one element, but you you have some theories and you know examples from working with seven figure coaches. What is it that takes them from there? And one of it is, of course, copywriting. But what do you see as the overview? Yeah, it's really interesting. There's a few things that happen. One thing I see when they get to the seven-figure mark, most people will stop hiring so many subcontractors and start to build an in-house team so that a lot of their needs are more immediate, like they're working on things with somebody right next to them at that point. So they might have a personal assistant, they might have an in-house copy production person or design, definitely video. They usually have somebody in-house doing their video for them. So that's really what I see is they go from having a subcontractor team to an in-house team. And what I see though too is they really have strong assets within their company. Like they're really strong at video copy and design. Like they, they have all those areas covered and they stop trying to do things on their own. So at that point, really what I do is I like to grow with my clients. And so instead of continuing to do copy production for them, at some point I grow out of that position and I actually become a creative director for them. And I'm looking at all their assets, making sure that they have best practices across all of their sales cart, their pages, their videos that go out, their call to actions. I still look at the emails, but I'm not the one producing them anymore because they have somebody in-house who's doing it at that point. Oh, wow. So 
You also mentioned to me that having a project manager is something that comes fundamentally important at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Because without the project manager, nobody knows where they're supposed to be going, what they're supposed to be doing. I think it's important to like step out of that position. There's actually a great book that I would recommend to your audience called Rocket Fuel. And it talks about how you need the visionary and the integrator. So the visionary is the CEO. So that would be you, Segrin. And you would just really be working on the high-level strategies of the business. And then you give all of that to your project manager. And they're the integrator. And they're the ones who make it happen. So that you spend more time getting inspired, maybe going to conferences, learning the leading edge stuff that's happening in online marketing and online business, and then other people come in and actually integrate the ideas that you're learning, so. Yeah. So you are writing copy for people that are doing six-figure launches. Yeah. <laughs> we had the last one together and are doing another Yay! one right now. Um, I know, it's so cool. But what is the difference? You know, what is the difference in the copy? People don't see what's the difference between a six-figure launch and then a five-figure launch or a seven-figure launch? Yeah, it's little things. It's like when you're looking at the sales page, right, and making sure that when you have a buy button, there's testimonials next to it because a photo next to a buy button always converts better. Little things like that, tweaking it on the sales page, help with more sales and your credibility and people feeling comfortable to work with you. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, sales pages are so long. I don't feel like I need that many words to sell somebody on something. But the truth is there's different types of personalities who are looking at your sales page. So someone who's kind of like not into detail may not read it all. They're just going to go look for the buy button. So at the top of your page, you have to make it easy for them to go by right away. So a lot of people skip putting a button at the top that for those people who are like fast action deciders, they're not going to read your page. But there's other types of personalities. And I go into the like psychology of this, but there's actually a whole code for the way that people look at a page and their personality. But there's other personalities who want to read the entire page. And then there's other people who are very image driven. So having really high quality branded photos on your sales page makes a difference in conversions. And it's funny because I'm a copywriter. I'm like, make sure your photos are on point. But the point is to have the photos match the language. And when that happens, that cohesion between the two, certain people, they look for those types of things. And that's what sells them on joining the program. So there are all kinds of copywriters. And you call yourself a conversion expert, right? Yes. Yeah. So what's the <laughs> difference between those different copywriters? How do I know? How does someone know that they're hiring the right copywriter? Oh, that's a great question. So there is a wide range of copywriters out there. Some people just focus on writing copy for websites and building brand authority through like your home about and services page. Other people focus on doing what I do, which is copy conversion. So what happens with that is you start looking at the data and you learn from the data and you shift the copy based on things that have worked in the past. 
you look more at surveys and actually analyze like what is the audience saying and use that language, then you turn around and use that language in the copy. So not everybody's trained in that. And so you got to kind of keep that in mind. And another thing that I have a big strength in is brand storytelling. And that's more the art. So the science is looking at the data and the art is being able to creatively tell a story. And when you bring those together, that really makes the difference in terms of copy conversion. And so you want to make sure if you're going to work with a copywriter that you ask them, you know, can I see examples of other launches that you've worked on? Or can I see examples of websites? And the only thing is when you look at their copy, don't focus too much on the style that they use for one particular client, because it's going to be different from one client to the next. So really, I would look at a side-by-side example of work that they've written and make sure that one voice sounds different than the other voice and they don't all sound the same. Because really, if they all sound the same, the copywriter is just using their own voice, not actually gathering the data and using your voice and the voice of your audience. So that's where you got to kind of look out for it. Yeah, that, that's so true. That's true. And sometimes you can see it. It's like a style. It's like an architect has a style. A copywriter has a style. And you got to find a copywriter that can adapt to you and write your language. Yeah, exactly. That's something to look out for. And I think, too, when you're looking for a copywriter, I recommend actually talking to other people they've worked with. It's good to see testimonials on a website. It's even better to actually talk to somebody and and find out, like, how does your relationship work with them? What's worked really well with them? What hasn't? So that you can get another person's opinion and kind of go into it that way. Because it's a pretty close relationship with your copywriter. Like, they're going to know a lot about you. And so you're going to want to make sure that you guys are going to gel well and and that you'll work well together. And hopefully, you know, you build a long-term relationship. Honestly, the longer you can work with somebody, probably the better because a lot of people come in, they'll work on something and now they know your voice. So now it's easier to continue to work with them instead of having to rebuild that relationship with a new copywriter each time. Oh, yeah. So it was actually funny how we started to work together. If you recall, Sarah, we were masterminding. So Sarah was not trying to sell me anything or I was not trying to buy anything either. Oh, this either. is so funny. Yes. <laughs> and then she's telling me about this idea that she would find it great if people would really just work together with her on two launches instead of just coming into one launch, getting to know the team, doing the copy and everything, and then off you go and you get to know a new client. You said, people should really hire me for two launches because when then we can improve and work together. And I was just going, that's so smart. Yes, I would do that. <laughs> and then I kind of, I don't know if it was in the same call or shortly after I said, I would like that. Can we, can we figure something out? Yeah. <laughs> right there on the call, you were like sold, done. And then we I was sold. after that. <laughs> well, I was sold without anyone trying to sell me because I saw it. I have worked enough with teams previously as a CEO, but also now with my, my, my virtual team. It has always taken time to, for people to get to know what I like in terms of graphics or even writing short emails for me, which my team sometimes does for me. And then I'm like, no, this is not me, or this graphic doesn't look nice, or this sales book doesn't look nice. And I remember working with my um, online business manager. She created a sales page, and then I changed 50% of it. And she was very disappointed. And she said, I wish you would just tell me what you don't like. And so I could change it. I felt really kind of embarrassed and like, okay, that's what you should do when you work with people. Unless you're under a lot of time pressure, then maybe you cannot do it. 
but that's the only way for them to learn. And now uh, C created the sales page for Samba, for instance, and it's beautiful and no changes, nothing. So I think you can totally learn to work with people. So when you said, yeah, you have to work together on two launches, and I'm like, yes, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, it makes a huge difference to build that ongoing relationship. And you know, a lot of people start out with having an online business manager or a VA, a virtual assistant, and that's great. But at some point, just know that you're gonna grow out of that. Like you're gonna need to scale it even more than that. So it's great that you can start that relationship with them. And then as things grow, just know that you'll have to add in more people to help them because they're gonna be overloaded at some point. When there's so much content creation, I mean, when you map out an entire launch, it's like way more than people think it needs to be. And that's a big mistake I see people make when they go to launch. They're like one sales page, one email, one webinar. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there is a yeah, lot Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's a great point because uh, it's when I tell my clients, don't launch from the hip, which means, oh, I'm gonna do a challenge next week. And suddenly they realize there's so much work around it. So can you give us a brief example of somebody who's doing, let's say, six, multiple six-figure launch, how many assets are involved? Yeah, sure. So there's, I kind of break it down to the pre-cart and then the post-cart. So pre-cart means all the free training that's going to happen leading up to you showing them the sales page. And once they're on, once you start to deliver the sales page to the audience, that's post-cart. That means now they can actually buy something from you. So there's the free training and then the paid offer that follows that. So in the free training part, the pre-cart, there's probably about 20 emails that go out. That includes everything from inviting them to a challenge, let's say, and then delivering on the challenge emails. Let's say it's a five-day challenge. And then after that, you've got the delivery to remind them. Usually a challenge is followed by a live webinar. So then you're reminding them to show up to the webinar. So after all of that, you're looking at about 20 emails that go into that. And then after the sales page opens, the sales page is usually like 30 pages in a Google Doc or more. Honestly, it's probably oh, yeah. higher than that. In my head, I like to say 30 pages. <laughs> uh, probably a bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like 50 pages in a Google Doc, right? So then after the sales page goes up, you've got a series of emails that help them to overcome the objections if they're not feeling like if they have a reason for not purchasing yet, all the reminders, we've done a lot of storytelling around other people who have joined Samba. That series of emails ends up being about 14 emails. I'm trying to think. And there's also, don't forget in the pre-cart, sorry, there's also the registration pages for the webinars. And I write all that copy too. And there's the thank you pages. So after everything's said and done, you're probably looking at nearly 40 emails, somewhere around there, and at least a sales page and three opt-in pages, potentially. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, it's a lot of work. And then if you're wondering if you should outsource this or not, I think you have your answer. Yeah, well, there's that. And also maybe you simplify your first launch because in the beginning you're testing a proven method. And so this is one thing I love that Secret teaches is that she wants you to find a proven model before you go and do a huge launch like that. So you might do something more simple, make sure that you're getting conversions and then grow it from there. Yeah. 
Well, Sarah, thank you for sharing with us some insights into how to go from six to seven figures and how do people find you online? Oh, yeah. I have a gift for your audience. <gasps> um, you have a gift. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> of course. So if they go to sarahgreer.com slash Seagrin, we'll put it in the show notes. It's a brand copy guide. So if you're just getting started online and you want to figure out how to tell your story that sells, just check it out. And if you've been in business a while, people always tell me it reignites their passion for what they're doing. So I'd really be excited for them to pick that up. You know, Seagrin, before we go, I do have to acknowledge you. I found out recently that we share a deeper why for what we do. I have always believed that technology and entrepreneurship, for women in particular, we really will be able to close the pay gap. And that was one of my big goals when I started my business. So I'm just so grateful that you're doing this for people. I see it happening. And I'm just like, oh. Yes. (laughs) Let's close the pay gap. Let's ignore the glass ceilings in corporate offices. And let's just all be entrepreneurs. What glass ceiling? I don't what see a glass, glass ceiling. ceiling. <laughs> There's no glass ceiling in your own business. It's unlimited yeah. potential. And when you have a copywriter like Sarah, then there's oh. unlimited potential with your sales page too. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Seeger, and I appreciate you. Thank you for joining. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 59. There you'll also find links to Sarah Greer and show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.